excited today to have my friends back uh, with us. I uh, started thinking about it, and it's been about a year and a half since uh, Pastor Jimmy uh, uh, was here uh, with us. It's been longer than that since Renata was here because she, she doesn't behave very much, and so they don't let her come as often uh, as they know. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we have a, an incredible friendship with this family. Love them dearly. For those of you that are new to Hope, uh, my name is Rusty. I'm the pastor here. But before I was a pastor, I was a student pastor in uh, Northside Church in Texarkana and was able to serve Pastor Jimmy and Renata, and uh, I was, uh, I think, the only um, youth pastor in the history that could say that they were actually the youth pastor for all three of their kids, and they're all three doing amazing today. Uh, in fact, Chase's, uh, their son-in-law is pastoring a church, uh, their their son Jordan's on staff at a church in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and then Jathan, well, he's uh, he's in big business, and we're, and just got married this last summer, and just a great family, we just, we love them so very much, and I jokingly say he's a part of the teaching team here at Hope, because we have him at least once a year uh, to come in and bless us. Right now, his role is the National Men's Discipleship Director for the Assemblies of God, and uh, so he travels the nation uh, helping uh, form discipleship for men, as well as raise funds for Light for the Lost. So would you put your hands together and welcome my friend, Dr. Jimmy White, to the stage today. Amen. It's good to be back home, I tell you, home and hope. Let me try this side. Home at Hope. Yeah, we love this church and we love your pastors. We think they uh, are some of the best pastors in the whole wide world. And so don't tell anybody because we want to keep them here, right? Oh, you, hey, you got 12 amens right there. I'm just saying. Yeah, we go back. I pastored it not only to him, but his family. That uh, he his family's from that the church in Texas Cannon, so we've had the joy and privilege of doing that, and so we we always enjoy getting to come back and uh, be with you. And good to see Ben. Good to see all. You know, I love come in. I love this this new look. It looks it looks incredible, and uh, I know it just messed with you. I know it did. So you came in and you're just like. <gasps> You had, you just had, you just had that kind of thing. That's what I enjoy about traveling so much. I go and find somebody else's seat and I sit there <laughs> and watch them just like squirm, you know, because we get so, we get so used to things and comfortable with things and, and that's why I picked the front row and then I, th I went to Jeremiah and said, oh wait, you always sat there and I took your seat. I usually pick the front row because nobody sits there, but I knew Jeremiah did, sit, and I said, man, I apologize for that. So, yeah, we're having a great time. We have over 400 free discipleship lessons. You can go to men.ag.org and look at our free resources and get all that. We got lessons on the Gospel of John. We have lessons in Mark. We have lessons on, here's a, one of the newest ones, two of the newest ones. We have sexuality and love. How many think we, the world needs to know what God's word says about sexuality? So we have some lessons there. And then we have one on spirit-empowered dads. I wish somebody gave me a manual when I was being a father, when I started being a father. 1992, we had, you know, I was, uh, just got married in 1989, and I thought from 1989 to 1992, I had 300 theories on how you should raise your kids. So I was a youth pastor, and I had some knuckleheads coming in there, and I thought these parents just ought to do it. In 1992, I had one kid and no theories on how to be a dad. 
And so we wanted to write that and, and help get dads. Just I wish somebody gave me a manual. I, I looked up. How do you be a, I, 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 no one told me how to be a father. I had to learn all this. How do you be a father? And so I went to the dictionary to find about being a father, and that doesn't help a whole lot. If you go to the dictionary about being a father, above and below the word dictionary is fatigue and fathead. <laughs> then you got to look it up, seriously, Webster, and there, there's, there's fatherhood right there. Well, that didn't help. So, you know, we wanted to help men, so we have that free resource, and so we hope you avail yourself to that. Again, love your family. I tried to hire him when I pastored in, in Arkansas, and uh, he, he turned me down. He was a youth pastor in Chandler, and he said, no, I, I'm not coming to Arkansas. And uh, so we go back a long, long way. If you're watching online, thanks for watching us, and thanks for being with us. And so we hope you enjoy today, and we hope that you will find life's answers from God's word. How many just think God's word is the most important thing? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. There's a lot of verses here that I'm going to read to you because this is a parable. Jesus taught a lot in parables. Parables reveal nothing less than the kingdom of heaven and the power of Almighty God, which is, he usually expressed both judgment and or he expressed grace. When Jesus taught in parables, he illuminated the character of God and the hardness of sinful man. It was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek that he was going to say this parable, and he was trying to say something without, without uh, he, he's, he's trying to soften what he said, but yet it's a, it's a pointed thing what he is saying. So when Jesus told parables, he often talked about or it drew sinners into the kingdom of God. And sometimes parables, the parables that he told, if you read the, the gospels, it just confused people. However, oftentimes Jesus told parables, and, and I've got to admit, this is, a, this is kind of the, the fun side about these is it ticked people off, the religious leader. Jesus ticked people, he just like, just boom. Because the religious people realized that Jesus was not just speaking to them, he was speaking about them. And he realized there was something powerful that was about to, they realized that what he was, that they were, that Jesus was saying was right, and yet they didn't like hearing what Jesus had to say. This parable that I'm, we're going to read this morning, I know it, it's one of those parables that I, I, I just, I really, I, I didn't get it. I don't know that I still get it. Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a Daenerys for a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, look what he said, you may, if you highlight in your Bible or underline, look what he says right here, you might want to underline this, whatever is right, I'm going to give to you. Whatever is right, I'm going to give to you. So they went, and going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. 
About the 11th hour, he went and found others standing, and he said, ask them the question, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us, and he said, well, then you go to my vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers up and pay him their wages. But I want you to start with the last ones I hired and bring all the way up to the first ones I hired. And when those that he hired, the Bible says in verse 9, at the 11th hour, when those, the last ones he hired came, he gave them a denera, a day's wages. And when those that he first hired came up, now in their mind they thought they were going to receive more. But he gave them a denarius also. In verse 11, they, when they got their denarius, they grumbled. They grumbled. They grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last work only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm, did, I, did, I, did you no wrong? Do you not agree? Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go and choose. I choose to give the last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do and choose what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. When I read this parable, when I when I I, I study this parable, it, it's one of those passages of scripture that makes me just kind of scratch my head and just go, hmm. I really just don't understand what Jesus just said. I don't, as a matter of fact, when I read that, now you may not be this way. If you're watching online, you may not be this way, but I just said, I don't even agree with what he just did. Now let me just summarize all of these verses together. It's 6 a.m., the landowner goes out and he hires a crew. At 9 a.m., the landowner goes back and he hires some more people at 12 noon, the landowner goes back and hires some more people and puts them to work. At 3 in the afternoon, he goes back and hires more workers. And at 5 o'clock, he goes back and hires more workers. Quitting time is probably 6 p.m. At 6 o'clock, the day is finished and all the workers go back and he's going to give them a day's wages. And when he gives the day wages out, he, gave, he pays everybody the same amount. The person that worked one hour got the same as a person who worked 12 hours. The person that worked three hours got the same as a person who worked nine hours, and they complained about it. And you would too. And just so you know, I would too. I mean, I would be calling HR about now, saying something is not right. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying to you, don't look at me, you know, sanctimoniously. You know, how many know you'd be griping if, if that happened? Yeah, thank you. There's three honest people in this room right here. I got to be honest, when I read this parable, it just bothers me. What is God trying to teach us through this parable? What is, what is the heart of God when he shares this parable with you and me? Why is this parable in his word? I, I will admit, I don't know everything that God's teaching us and trying to teach us, but I do think one of the things that God is teaching us through this parable is this, is that we don't always agree with God. And neither do I have to agree with God 
because he's God. I, I preach a lot better if you say amen every once in a while. <laughs> and shorter. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's right? Do you think it's fair? For the one who worked 12 hours to get the same amount of money as the one that got three, that worked three. How many of you think that's fair? Yeah, nobody thinks that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I, I mean, I, I would at least, I would at least mumble about that. I just don't think, Jimmy, I just don't think that's right. But God said that's right. So I wonder if I could say it like this. It's coming up for you on the screen. Pure faith is believing God even when you disagree with God. Or maybe you could say it this way. Real faith is knowing that God is correct even if you don't believe God is correct. Now, the last time I've checked, none of us think like God. Isaiah says in 50, chapter 55 and verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, your ways, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So, Jimmy, are you saying to me that it's right for the person who worked one hour to receive the same wage as the one who worked for 12 hours? And my, here's my response. Here's my answer after years of study and this parable. No, I don't believe it's right, but I believe it's right. I should run for office, shouldn't I? <laughs> well, Jimmy, maybe you're there and you're looking at this. You're like, Jimmy, I don't see the logic in this parable. All I know is that I was, I, I've got to trust God's judgment more than, than, than my judgment. Jimmy, this parable really doesn't make sense to me, but, it does, but, but I understand it doesn't have to make sense to me because I'm not God. Here's what we've done in the culture of American faith today. In, in the American faith, and most believers, or many believers, maybe I should say it this way, is this. Here, here is our de cultural definition of faith, is that God is going to do what I think God ought to do. That's our cultural definition of faith. Our cultural definition of faith today is that I have confidence in God as long as God does what I think God ought to do. Most of the time when I was a pastor, most of the time when people said they lost their faith in God, what they really were saying to me, if you could drill down and peel it all back, what they were really saying to me was this, is that God didn't do what I wanted God to do. God did something that I didn't want God to do or allowed something or God just in some way I didn't get what I wanted to get. So if you're here, you're watching online and wondering, in case you're thinking, that, is that faith? No, that's not faith. And that's really about what this message is to you. It's about faith. And I want to give you three kinds of concepts about faith. And, and number one is coming up for you on the screen. If you want to take the note or shoot a screenshot or whatever you want to do, the first level of faith is expecting God to do what I think God ought to do. Some of you would would say, yeah, would say, well, you know, Jimmy, Pastor Ben is here, and he he's working with the he's working with the youth, and, and I just got to be honest with you, I've lost faith in Pastor Ben. At one time, I had faith in Pastor Ben, but until he made a decision that I didn't agree with, 
he actually wanted my kids to obey on the trip and, and, and do some certain things on the trip. And so I didn't agree with his decision about the trip. So now I just, I've lost faith in Pastor Ben. The real truth of the matter is you never had faith in Pastor Ben. You only thought Pastor Ben was correct until he did something that you disagreed with. <laughs> the truth is, is that many, I don't know many in this room, and I've been here a lot of times, and I don't know many of you that have ever been a youth pastor. And the truth is, is that many of you have never had to corral a bunch of young people. You, if you think this is easy, you just have one sleepover at your house with your teenager. Just one. Let them invite about eight, ten kids, and you will have a new outlook on Pastor Ben. What you have to have faith in Pastor Ben is this, is that Pastor Ben will pray, is that Pastor Ben is going to seek the face of God, is that Pastor Ben is going to hear from God, is that Pastor Ben is going to learn from other youth pastors, and that and he is going to do what he thinks is and believes is best in the sight of God. Amen. It, 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 listen, Martha Tennyson always said it gets quiet in the, in the, in the operating room. I understand. But while I'm meddling, let me just go ahead and take another step. I've waited for a lot of years to say stuff like this because when I pastored, I didn't. Most of you never pastored a church. <laughs> so when Pastor Rusty does something you don't understand and you don't agree with, all of a sudden, you become an expert about being a pastor. What you have to have is faith that Pastor Rusty is praying and that Pastor Rusty is seeking the face of God and that Pastor Rusty is going to be accountable to his leadership structure in place for this church. It's the board. It's a, he, he's made himself accountable to leader. Uh, that he's going to make himself accountable that Pastor Rusty's not going to be some lone ranger out there doing whatever he wants to do however he wants to do it. And that's totally counterculture to the American culture that we live. Our culture of faith in the Amer most American people in, in our churches across America is that God ought to do what I think God ought to do. That's not faith in God, that's faith in you. Now listen, I've got a lot of strong opinions about a lot of things. If you don't believe me, ask my wife down here. She says to me often that, that you don't think you're, you're ever you may not always, he may not always be right, but he never thinks he's wrong. I got a lot of opinions about a lot of things, and I know this may shock some people sitting on the first row up here, but I, I mean, it may shock them to know that, that I'm not right about everything, most things, but not everything. So no, number one, that level of faith saying, I have faith as long as he does what I think he ought to do. Number two is a little better. 
I don't agree with God, but God will explain it to me someday. And when God explains it to me one day and I understand it, then I'll be okay. Now, this is a little better than the first level, that first level of, well, I agree with God until God does something I don't agree with. This level of faith declares that you don't agree with God, but one day God's going to just come out of heaven and, and just come down to you and explain it to you. And God's just going to say, hey, let's have a cup of coffee. And I'm going to tell you just what happened in your world right here. And then after I tell you what's happened in your world, then you're going to understand it and we're going to be all right, okay? Is that going to be all right with you? And I'm just going to explain myself to you. That's because I'm God, but, but I'm going to explain it to you because you, you should know. Now, if you're watching online or you're in this room, I got some, some, some sobering news for you. The truth is, is that God may explain it to you someday, but then again, maybe he won't explain it to you someday. I used to hate this, and then I turned into my parents when I grew up. Did you ever grow? Did you ever? Did you ever hear my? I know my mom was famous of saying the line when I would say, "Well, why do I have to do this?" Because, yeah. Mhm. 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 And then I tried to say, "Well, if you'll just explain it to me," she said, "Oh, you don't want me to explain it to you." <laughs> Because I'm going to have a teaching aid if I explain it to you called a belt. So you're either going to do it, you're going to, or, or, you know, that. And so we think God, well, God, oh, he, God should explain this to me. So, you know, well, God, you and I, we don't agree on this, but, but one day, certainly one day, I'm going to understand it because you're going to explain it to me. I don't agree with you, God, and what you did, but one day, God, you're going to explain yourself to me, and once you explain yourself to me, God, then everything will be all right. That's a little better, but that's not where God's trying to take us, I don't think, to this parable. The very last thing is coming up on the screen, if you want to write it down or take a screenshot, is this, is that pure faith is, is that I don't need an explanation from God because God is God and I am not. Now, that's what pure faith really is. He's God and I'm not God. That's what real faith is, is he's God and I'm not God. If I die and I don't understand why God did or did not do some things, then that's all right because he's God and I'm not God. If I don't get what God is doing in my life and through my life, that's all right because he's God and I'm not God. I may not agree with God. I may not understand God, but God is always right and he is God and I'm not God. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you we have to get ourselves to that position and level of faith. Those three levels we talked about, I have faith in God when he does what I think he ought to do, or number two, I have faith in God because he'll explain it to me, or I have faith in God regardless of what happens to me because God is God. And our culture, our religious culture has been so intoxicated that we think we are the center of our universe and now we have become the judge of God. Now, I've read the Bible through a lot of years. I've studied the Bible through a lot of years. I mean, I have, I mean, the Greek, the Hebrew, I mean, I get down with this thing. I have had a lot of Bible discussions and conversations with God. And if I can just be honest with you this morning, there's a lot of times I didn't agree with God, the God of the Bible. 
There's a lot of time. Now, I know you probably hadn't done this. If you're watching on, you've probably never done this, but there are times and I've read the Bible, I thought, God's wrong right here. I just got to tell you, he is wrong. Well, I think he's right here, but I think he's wrong here. Well, I think God's, God, surely, surely in 2023, God's not that legalistic anymore. He's wrong. And the question always comes back to me is, when did you become God? How is it that we can sit on our throne and judge the one who made the heaven and the earth? I'm convinced the reason some people don't want anything to do with church or the reason they don't want anything to do with God or the God of the Bible is because in their mind, they think and believe that God's wrong. And many have forgotten that true faith comes to terms with the fact that God is God regardless of what I think, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what is going on in the world, regardless of what I think ought to happen, regardless of what I think ought to transpire, regardless of all of that, he is still God and I am not God and I have to let him be God and me just say, God, I don't get it, but God, I I'm going to serve you no matter what. We like to quote, quote Romans 8:28, but you need to really think of that verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. If you highlight or underline in your Bible, you need to flip over to Romans 8, 28, underline to those who know God. Your job as a believer is not to understand everything God does. Your job as a believer is not to explain everything God does. Your job as a believer, according to Romans, is to love God and be obedient to him. God, God's right. It doesn't matter. He is God and we are not God. Now, you, now listen, I could go on and on and on, but I'm just going to tell you, you say, Jimmy, there's really things and some of you are still stuck way back there when I said there are some things I read in the Bible that I just don't agree with sometimes. And some of you have never, caught, you hadn't caught up with me yet because you're still there. Let me just tell you some things I don't get. I don't understand. Don't understand. I do not understand why God killed Ananias and Sapphira in Acts. Their sin was they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, if we gave an altar call, don't raise your hands, but if we gave an altar call for liars, I wonder how full this place would be this morning. I mean, God help us all. That was their sin. They lied. I got to tell you, I don't agree with Peter getting to preach on the day of Pentecost. It was John who was the beloved. John was the one who stood by Mary, the mother of Jesus. It was Peter who denied Jesus three times just weeks before he got the, he before before he died, and he's the one that gets to preach on the day of Pentecost. Are you kidding me? Peter gets to preach and not John? In the Lord's darkest hour, Peter deserts Jesus, and John doesn't desert Jesus, and, and, and Peter's the one that gets to preach on the day of Pentecost? Call me an Uber right now. I think, listen, I told God, I said, God, I think John should have been the one that got to preach on the day of Pentecost. 
I mean, I read this stuff, and I know you probably don't read it this way, but I do. I, listen, here's something else I don't understand. I don't understand, nor do I agree, that a prostitute named Rahab ends up in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith chapter. Read it. This lady from the Old Testament sold her body to heathen men. She gives her body over to heathen rituals, and God allows her name to be plastered in the Hall of Faith chapter. She is actually in the royal bloodline of Jesus. I'm just telling you, I don't agree with it. Most church people I know don't agree with that either, and I know that because if most prostitutes come into the service, most believers wouldn't say, come sit by me. I don't understand. I don't understand. Tisha, don't get it. Why did God make Jacob a prince and name a nation after him? Why did he do that? You kidding me? This little lazy, sissy, conniving little boy. You ought to read it. I mean, he's a, read about it. Read about it. I mean, he is. He's out cooking chili with his while his family's out working. What a sissy little boy! I mean, I mean everybody. Everybody knows men shouldn't cook. <laughs> they should do the dishes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm saying some of you guys. I'm just I, Jacob deceived his brothers. He out of his birthright. His dad is old and blind, and Jacob, the deceiver, tricks him into thinking he's Esau. He lies. He tricks him with the help of his mama so he can receive the blessing from his father. And this is the guy that God names a whole entire nation after him. I don't get, I don't get it. I mean, look at a world map. If you look at a world map, there's the name Israel. That's the name of Jacob. God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And I told God, I don't agree with your decision here. I think, God, if you're asking me, it should have been, it should have been the nation of Abraham. Well, do we see the nation of Abraham? No, we don't see that. This guy who left it all to follow God. This guy didn't even know where he was. This dude that had a kid. I mean, come on, somebody that I'm 60 years old, and if I if somebody told me I'm having a kid right now, I mean, put me in a. I mean, I am. I just, no. This guy should have had a nation named after him. I don't, I don't agree with God choosing Saul to be the first king of Israel. I don't understand why God allowed one-third of our Bible is written by murderers. One-third of our Bible is written by murderers. Moses, David, Paul, all of them guilty of shedding other people's blood. And while I'm griping up here this morning, do you, who is it? who is it that is called the wisest man in the Bible? That's exactly right. This, I, are you, seriously? This guy who had 700 wives and 300 substitutes, or as, as, as a farmer says, combines, or as a kid says in, in kids' church, cucumber vine. This guy had 300 concubines and 700. Why are you kidding me? And this is the smartest man in the box. Really? I don't agree with that one. I don't understand why God calls David a man after his own heart. 
Here's a man who is home from war when others were at battle, and, he, and his disobedience led them, him to committing adultery and killing the husband of the woman with which he committed adultery. David couldn't even lead his own house well. He raises his own son in rebellion, and God calls this dude a man after my own heart. I don't agree. I, really? I, God, you did not allow Moses to go into the promised land He goes through all this stuff. You convince him to do all this, to go back. He does all this. And the reason he can't go on the promised land is because he lost his temper. So if we had an altar call this morning for liars and people who lose their temper, I would just have to leave it with you the rest of the day so I can make it home in time for work tomorrow. I don't agree that God will ask the prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute, cheating prostitute as his wife. And then he said, I want you to take her back. I don't agree that Satan, God allowed Satan to do what he did to Job. I don't agree that God turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt simply because she turned around. I don't get why God would not have allowed Paul to look into the third heaven I don't understand why the prodigal son gets more attention in the story than the son who stayed and true to his dad. Now, if you get all of that, more power to you because I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand why in 1994, my father-in-law comes to a church. He retired, semi-retired. He was a barber all of his life goes down to the front of the altar of his church, and he asked the pastor in December of 1994, on a Sunday morning, as he's done every Sunday morning, he came on this side. He sat right back here, the second, third row. He came down to the altar, and he asked the pastor, I know we normally do prayer time at a certain time, but I really need to go home. Could you pray for me now? The doctors had diagnosed him with cancer. He only had six months. It was coming to an end, but Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, he didn't feel like going to work. He didn't feel like getting out of bed. He didn't feel like doing all this, but he never missed a Sunday and an opportunity for somebody to pray for him to come down, and they would anoint him with oil Sunday after Sunday. And on a Sunday in December, 1994, he comes and he gets prayed for, and by that Wednesday, he's in the presence of Jesus. I don't understand it. We fasted, we prayed for his healing, but he died. I don't understand why God would allow my mother-in-law to have to go through that for all these 20 plus years, my wife to have to go through this. He's never he's only got to see one of my of my three children, none of his great grandchildren. I don't get it. I don't understand why children die. I don't understand why children are being killed. I wish I could understand why some prayers get answered and other prayers don't get answered. I wish I could I wish I got why God allowed some believers to walk through difficult times and not other believers. There's a lot of stuff that I could keep you here all afternoon talking about I don't get and I don't understand. But here's the conclusion I've come to. 
I believe in every area that I don't agree with God or I don't understand God or I don't think God is right. I have come to the conclusion he is God and I am not. And God may choose to explain himself to me, but if he doesn't choose to explain himself to me, that's all right because he's God and I'm not. God is the creator of the universe, and you and I are the created ones. And you and I were created for God's pleasure, we were created for God's purpose, and we were created for God's plan. The Bible reminds us that God is love and God is the God of all, everything that God judges is right and true. And you may not want to believe this that's in this room or you're watching online, but whenever you and I don't agree with God, there's, it's always on, there's always something wrong with us, never something wrong with God. Because God is always just. He is always right. He is always pure. He is always holy. And he's always love. And I can assure you this morning that there are not many American Christians in agreement with me today. At least not as there would be a few years ago. Because the spirit and the age in which we live that's actually crept into the church is the mindset that we are on the throne and the God of heaven is on trial and we are his judge. I don't care what you think and how you feel and all that stuff, God is still God and he always will be God. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to understand everything. I wish. I wish I could. It doesn't even mean you'll be able to explain everything. But this one thing I know, he is God, and I am not. So when I was whining to God about all of this, and I was talking to God, God reminds me of the story of Job, and there's an interesting verse in Job chapter 38. In verse number three, I mean, it's on. In 38 verse three, when God says dress like a man, like, you better put on your big boy pants right now. That's what he's saying right here. You, oh, you're going to be all bad? Okay, put on your big boy pants. We're about to go at it. And then God in verse 4 starts, okay, really? You're going to do, okay, Job, you're going to go there? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? Tell, where were you, Job? Uh-oh. God's, God's mic drop right here. Tell me, Job, if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements of this? Surely you know, Job. Come on. And he goes through this litany of things, and he goes through all of this stuff. Come on, Job. You, I mean, you're, you're at, come on, talk to me. And Job came to the conclusion that he's God, and, he, and Job is not. There's a song that we have uh, sung down through the years. It may be familiar to you. Uh, it's an old hymn, but you may not be familiar with the why behind the song. The man who wrote this song had lost his wife and his daughters at sea. He asked the captain of the ship, whenever we get near the spot where my wife and daughters drown, would you let me know, would you wake me up? I, want, I, just, I just need to spend some time there. When they get to that spot, the captain gets the man and he's standing on the ship 
somewhere where his wife and daughters died at sea, he begins to pin the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sweet billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He begins to write the words to that. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching me online and you've got some pretty tough questions for God and I'm going to tell you, he's okay with those tough questions. Or maybe you're here or you're watching online and you've been through some difficult valleys. Or maybe you're here or you're watching online and you've had some difficult things happening happen to you in the last several weeks or months. You're still here. And you're still hanging on. And you're still fighting. And you're still following. And you're still trusting. And you're still saying, God, I don't get it. But God, I'm still here. And in your life, you're saying, God, this is so unfair, these things that have happened. And God, things have occurred that I don't understand. And and the world system wants to put you on trial, God. God, at the end of the day, if I don't get it, I understand that you are God and I am not. And I don't know what you are going through today. If you're watching online or you're in this room, but I came by to just say to you, he's still on the throne. You may not understand what you're going through or why you've been through it, but he's still there. Will you just close your eyes right now? Come on. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sweet billows roll, whatever my lot taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul well Tisha is going to put us in the right key what you're going through in this room but I know you're going through something you're either going through something you've been through something or you're headed here's all I know as a pastor and I I know Pastor Rusty's heart well enough to know we, we wish we could fix it all we wish we could explain God there's some things we just don't have the answer to and for but he's still God if you're watching us online, I don't know what you're here, what you're struggling with online, but all I know is I sense from the very first song the presence of the Holy One in this place.
And I wish I could tell you that your pain would go away and I wish I could tell you that the hurt wouldn't be as bad. I can't do that, but I can tell you this, that if you get into his presence, there's something that'll begin to lift in you. And when you walk through on Monday or Thursday or Tuesday or whenever it is and you feel a heaviness coming in, God, and say, you say to God, God, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. And you begin to sing whatever song comes your way. Maybe you'll remember this man who lost everything. He Later on, he loses everything in a fire. He loses everything. I mean, it, it, his whole life is, is messed up. But he still could pin these words in his way. And here's how I'm going to close this out right now. If you're watching online, maybe you could just close your eyes and sing with Tisha and this crowd this song. If you know this song, if you don't know this song, just allow the Holy Spirit to worship you. And I'm going to ask you in this room to just stand right now. Some of you may need, listen, listen, Pastor Rusty and I, we, pastors wish they could take the pain for you. We wish we could reach down in that part where that causes you hurt and pain. And we wish we could do that. We wish we could explain, but we can't. But all we can say is he's still God. And so some of you, I'm just going to ask you as Tisha begins to sing this old hymn. To just begin, all, maybe all you can do is just lift your hand. Maybe all you could do is just stand there. Maybe you're saying, Jimmy, you're just—it's just good enough that I'm standing right now. Maybe some of you need to come to an altar and just say, you know what, God, I don't get all this stuff. What's happening in my world, in my life? I don't get it. But God, I need you to come, bring me a peace, and bring me an assurance. As Tisha begins to sing, come on. I want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit right now.
she sings this again. Somebody, somebody needs to be obedient to God right now. Somebody needs to take a step. Somebody needs to sing. Somebody needs to work. I'm just telling you, he's here. And as she sings, I want you to just uh, move and do be obedient to him right now. Come on.
just give it to Pastor Rusty just yet until I make one more plea. There's six, eight, nine, something. God is just stirring some of you.
just give God praise today for the word, the challenge. He is God and I am not. Praise God. Would you be seated for just a moment today? Our ushers are going to come forward and uh, they're going to have an opportunity to bless our speaker today. So if you make a check, you can make it pay with the Hope Family Fellowship. If you want to give online, there's a special drop box, uh, drop down menu. This is special speaker or guest speaker. If you need, uh, if you need to mail it in, that's fine as well. You just send us a note at prayerhopefamilytv so that we can make sure that we get that included in today's uh, gift uh, for Pastor Jimmy. The scripture tells us that uh, we're to bless those that are traveling teachers, and, uh, and so we want to do that so that the scripture says so we can be partners with him in the truth and I love that I love that concept that we get to partner with him so every time 400 right 400 small group lessons in fact one of those or a couple of those I think are based off of a series that I've, I've done uh, before and so uh, he's taken he's taken different things from ministers across the nation and turned them into small group curriculum and it's just amazing what God is is doing of our men's department in our national office. And so grateful that we have that connection with uh, the whites. So uh, I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over the offering today and uh, as you give this morning. Father, thank you for an opportunity that we get to bless. God, we've been blessed through your word today and now and in turn we get to bless others. And I, I just pray, God, that you would use this gift to further your kingdom jesus name god's people said amen god bless you as you give today i want to let you know that starting next sunday next sunday's father's day amen okay all, all two of us are excited about that it's father's day we're going to have a special gift for every father uh, in the room it's going to be an amazing time of service but i'm super excited this is a series that i have wanted to do for a long time something that stirred in my heart and my spirit over the years. I've just been drawn to the songs of the ascent. They're the times where they would sing these songs as they got ready to go up. And uh, man, just about nine months or 10 months ago, I just I just said, since the Lord speaking that now's the time. He's like, hey, you can do it now. And, uh, and so beginning next week, we're going we're gonna to do a series on the songs of the ascent. We're calling it Mixtape. Mixtape Volume One. If you were a child of the '80s, come on, you know what a cassette tape was. How many of you? How many of you sit there and look, you know, listen to the radio and hit record just so you could record that one song, you know? And it, you know, and then if the DJ started talking over it, you got so mad. I mean, come on, am I talking to my? Own, am I the only person in the room that felt like that? But we're going to talk about uh, kind of using that as uh, this was their mixtape. They went up to the uh, up to the temple. They they would sing these songs, and there's some great things. He said, I. I I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And so I'm excited. This, uh, this series is going to last, uh, I think, about, about 10 weeks. And I know that's a long time for a series. But, man, I'm just excited about what God's going to do. So because of that, uh, we, uh, Pastor Ben made us these great little cards that uh, have the logo on it, Mixtape Volume 1, The Songs of the Ascent. You say, why Volume 1? Because, man, I started thinking about this. I could do the Songs of David. I could do the songs of Christmas. There's so many. I mean, this this we we may we may do a few more of these over the years. So I'm, I, 
I just like the theme. So we're going we're gonna to do it this summer. So Mixtape Volume 1, The Songs of the Ascent, those are on the back table back there. Uh, they come in stacks of 10. Use these to invite somebody to come to church with you. Say, hey, would you come and would you be my guest? And uh, would you come and hang out with us and maybe invite them to lunch afterwards uh, or something like that? So we've got a lot of good things that are coming up. Uh, senior adults, uh, chicken dinner on not this Friday, but the following Friday. And then uh, our next night of communities going to be at Chick-fil-A on the 21st. So good, some good things happening. And of course, youth camp is coming up. Super excited for our students that are going to be able to go to that. So Pastor Ben will be out there if you want to purchase some raffle tickets today and next Sunday. Next Sunday at the end of service, we will be making the drawing uh, for that nice TV that's out there and the $50 gift card. And so uh, help our students uh, by uh, by purchasing one of those tickets and to, to and maybe maybe win a TV, who knows? So would you stand with me this morning? Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you and your family today. Be sure to pick up your mixtape volume one, invite cards after at the conclusion of service. Be sure to say hi to Pastor Jimmy and Renata today and uh, tell them you're glad to see them here at Hope. Father, we just thank you this morning uh, for your word. You are God and we are not. We are not and we just trust you fully. Your word declares that we're to trust you with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge you and you will make our path straight. And so we trust you today and we ask God that you would bless your people, that you would make your face shine down upon them, then you would be gracious to them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.